Hello and welcome to The Rookie Podcast. I'm Tavi Gavinson, your host, and we have a really exciting show this week. Lord's new album is coming out June 16th. It's called Melodrama. Maybe you already knew that. Maybe you've been like eagerly awaiting every new song and video and performance the way I have. I talked to her about it in the very first episode of the Rookie Podcast, but there was so much great stuff in that conversation that we're airing the rest of it today. Anyone who makes anything, like, just make it look or sound or feel like the inside of your brain, and then nothing anyone says can hurt you or can discredit what it is that you've done. We also have another installment of Ask a Grown, where we ask real-life grown-ups for advice. Malala Yousafzai's father, Ziauddin Yousafzai, is giving us advice on how to find meaning in life. I think um, life is... Uh For many people, life is like a blank slate and you have to write something on it. But first, we have a starter pack on getting into modern day poetry. Poetry is a beautiful and somewhat intimidating art form. Maybe you've had to read it in school and you're like, I don't know what to make of this weirdly spaced paragraph about a bog written a very long time ago. The format is weird, the meaning can be hard to grasp, and you usually don't learn about anyone who's writing it today. Modern day poets are out there, not only as rappers and songwriters, high lord, or in Beyonce's Lemonade. So, in this week's starter pack, the brilliant rookie contributor Naomi Morris introduces us to five of her favorite modern-day poets. Hello, I'm Naomi. I kept a diary for rookie from 2011 to 2014 and continue to write for the site about stuff that I like. This starter pack is for modern-day poetry. I studied creative writing at university and it was a kind of fluke that I chose poetry over prose in my final year, but I'm very glad I did. It was mostly thanks to my tutor, Jack Underwood, a poet in his own right, who as a teacher could take the most incomprehensible poetry and make it come alive. Jack also introduced me and my classmates to the poetry that was going on right now or recently, rather than the poetry which I had nearly always been exposed to through school. The handful of mostly men, and occasionally women, from different centuries who, though wrote lovely-sounding verse, did not feel relevant to the life I was having to live. Here, at university, finally, in my hands, were photocopied words that I could relate to. Poets that sounded more like me. It was this that inspired me to go rooting around for poets that spoke not just to my heart, but often to the drudgery of 21st century experience. So... If you too have only been exposed to the traditional poetry canon, here are five poets that I love from this decade to spruce up your internal poetry shelf. Number one, Monica McClure, Tender Data. I fell in love with Monica McClure when I first watched videos of her reading her poetry out loud, especially the poem Javlada. It didn't sound how I expected poetry to sound, The inflections were not exactly where I'd usually expect them, and there wasn't a narrative to the poem, but more a stacking of images upon images. Her speakers often seem to be young girls who are so inundated with information in this modern world that they communicate in a kind of soft staccato that is mesmerising, 
as if they are just unbelievably fatigued with the world. Number two, Jenny Haval, Apocalypse Girl. Think big, girl, like king. Think king size. I may be kind of cheating in recommending Jenny Haval because she would be considered a musician more than a poet. And this is an album, not a book. But the song King Size inspired me so much in my strained push to finish my poetry assessment at uni that I consider her one of my poetry queens. Did you learn nothing in America? I remember listening to King Size for the first or second time, lying stunned on my bed, while also thinking, why can't more written poetry be more like this? It was exciting and fizzing with sexual references that have a gender-political undertone. For example, the king-sized bed, the bananas in her lap, and soft dick rock. She uses music too, of course, but the boundaries of poetry can be blurred, which is one of the reasons it's so amazing. It's such a malleable form. And something about listening to poetry in this way makes it a little less intimidating sometimes. Number three, Jenny Zhang. Dear Jenny, we are all fine. In the end, music and words are just types of noises, and in Jenny Zhang's poem, the universal energy is about to intervene in your life. She includes these kind of guttural noises. This is how I became a ga. This is how I became a ga. Disclaimer, Jenny is a long-time rookie writer, but for good reason. I love Jenny's poetry so much because there is so little pretension in her words. Sometimes it feels to me like reading long texts from one of those friends who kind of intimidates you because they are so sparkling and you get a tantalising look into their world, which is definitely not your own, but you feel energised by it anyway. Number four, Tracy K. Smith, Life on Mars. And speaking of different worlds... When my friend recommended Tracy K. Smith, she just screamed sci-fi at me. And I'm still not sure whether it's because she has a poem called sci-fi or because a lot of Smith's poems in her Life on Mars collection, as the title suggests, use images of science and space, which as a fan of stars and galaxies and the whole aesthetic of the cosmos in general, I'm highly into. Number five, Emily Berry. Dear Boy and Tender Baby A poet that never fails to inspire and move me is Emily Berry. Her poetry is so great that I'm still at the point where I don't have the vocabulary to explain how it is so great yet, so you have to trust me on this one. She is astonishing. Her poems are like the most fun kind of puzzle in that you can relax into them and yet make your brain work to try and figure them out. Her use of speakers ranged nicely from a woman getting into corsets with great irony in A Short Guide to Corseting to literally taking Freud's words and rejiggling them round into new creations. So, I hope you can go forth and forge your own poetry path, a path that can belong to the future, not just the past. I talked to Ella, a.k.a. Lord, back in March for the very first episode of The Rookie Podcast. We sat at a little table in her hotel room at the end of her workday, just us and the microphones, and talked until about midnight. 
You may have already heard the first half of it, but we wanted to share the rest now, in anticipation of her new album, Melodrama, coming out this Friday. I have to say, I have seen Ella at various stages of this process. You'll hear from the interview that we know each other IRL, as it were, and are not just really good at pretending to get along for this episode. And it's been one of the most palpable transformations I've ever seen another human being go through. She'll talk about this, but she really put her whole heart into this album, and whenever I need to remind myself that the act of processing your life through art does make a real change in how you feel, I just think about Ella and, you know, how she talked about this project two years ago and what it was like for her then and what it's like for her now and how satisfying it seems to have done something like this. I mean... I go through periods where I feel so cynical about anyone's ability or capacity to truly put experiences and emotions into art. Where I'm literally like, why ever try to do anything when no one can actually know what it's like to be in my head except me? And whenever I've felt that lately, I've thought back on this conversation and on all the painstaking work Ella put into bringing these ideas from her head into the real world, and how they're now songs that have become real in all of our lives, too. So she talked about what all of that work looked like and what it's like to be done with it. And I think that after listening to this interview, you'll catch some of her enthusiasm, too. Your last album felt like such a complete world, like it appealed to like every sense. It felt so distinct in every way. And I, I'm curious, like what you were kind of, what new art or literature or anything mm. you got into in the past few years working on this one or what some of the aesthetic influences were. I mean, music wise, I, that was the other thing part of, um, being able to understand things on a level that you haven't before is like, oh, is all that good stuff boring? Or did I just think it was boring because they didn't understand it? And so it was like this amazing thing of being able to like, you know, go back and enjoy someone like Don Henley, who 16 year old me would have been like, snooze, you know. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and being able to be like, oh my God, this is so profound. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had a big Phil Collins moment. The, the, mm. One of the biggest musical moments I had in the last couple of years was Graceland by Paul Simon. Ooh. I had a big, big, big Graceland phase. It's sort of been a while where I had felt like a record had been really, really good. Like, I think there was a bit of a drought of, like, amazing, amazing, not songs or, you know, moments, but records. I, mm -hmm. I wanted universes to live inside you know which they think a record is and you know a big one for me um there will always be a big one for me is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy mm. which is such a universe and you know but that that had come out many years before and i was like you know i'm kind of i was looking for my next fantasy and it appeared to me in the form of graceland by paul simon which i actually think weirdly like feels like a kanye record to me in terms of its it's just, it's so, it feels It feels actually very similar to fantasy in that every song is so good and it's sprawling but feels kind of succinct and 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 it just, it was like, well, I'm going to do this very specific thing sonically and and it felt so kind of special and pioneering and, and I don't know, I just, uh, I had a big moment of, I, I, I think this year, the last like couple of years have been a big year of listening to 
like songwriting as opposed to like great drums, you know, mm. or great um, sounds. Like I, I mean, I, I love hip hop and will always love hip hop, but I feel like I kind of moved away from that and away from electronic music. And I still listen to them a lot, but I, I feel like where I was really getting my kind of food was, was like quite traditional singer songwriting music. And even like, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah. And like, I was just, I was listening to a lot of grumpy uh, white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like that's related though to like the timeline you were on where you weren't just like trying to put out singles and stay like at the super forefront of people's minds. Like you were taking the time to reflect on a period of your life. I mean, it's so weird because it's like, it wasn't actual, it hasn't been that long since your last album, especially mm. considering like touring and the mm. whole cycle. Mm. But I guess because of the pace of things, mm -hmm. it was, it's been treated like it's been a a long time. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is a long time. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it depends on if you're like, do I want to be a robot or do I want to like make the inside <laughs> of my brain? Yeah, 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 totally. Did that feel like... Yeah, it takes some it... time to map the inside of a brain. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a time-consuming process. Yeah. Sorry, did that feel like... No, I mean, w like, I've been curious about how that, along with like, you know, the other, your first album, you had not uh, achieved this like prominence at that point when you wrote mm -hmm. it yeah and so did this feel like a different kind of pressure this time and how do you just sort of mute that I felt pressure but honestly it was pressure that I put upon myself it was really just like I'm my own greatest critic there's not a lot of people's opinions about my work that I would really like that I would change something because of I just I really trust my own instinct with with what I make I know that I won't always have that having the have good instincts with it especially hmm. you know with pop music I think it does have I, I'm definitely not going to be making great pop music when I'm 60 you know I'll be making something else right might even not be pop music it might not even be music right but I right now in this moment I'm in an endless conversation with myself about mm -hmm. what is making the work good and what could be better and and I'm very honest with myself and I'm also like unflinching like I don't yeah I don't give myself any I don't cut myself any slack with that stuff because mm -hmm. I know when something is just like other people will think it's good and then when it's actually I've like reached as far inside myself as I can <laughs> And it's that level good. <laughs> like, right. And you know when you've done that. Like you can't lie to yourself about having done that, you know. So um, in a way I felt pressure, but I only felt pressure because I knew that I would probably be capable of more and that I learned a lot about making music and writing. I was a better writer and a better producer and I just knew that it had to be as good as it as I could do at that moment. And every every record for me I think is just about making the best record you can possibly make at that time. Right. I can't wait to... <laughs> I'm so excited to meet the musician that I am when I'm 40, you know? I mean, yeah. Paul Simon wrote Ghostland when he was 44. It was seventh solo record. And that kind of thing is so exciting to me because I know that 
I often get frustrated with my limitations as a songwriter and as a musician. And I know that I'll be capable of more soon, you know, it's just yeah. as time kind of moves. So so I, I felt pressure, but I think it was just like normal myself pressure. Everyone around me was like, we see you putting that pressure on yourself and uh, go forth, do it, chill out even. Right. <laughs> Sophomore album thing is very, very real. If anyone <laughs> wants to know, it's real. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely, it's horrific. It's horrific because you... <laughs> You you change as a songwriter. It's that thing we were talking about. You know, right. will people want to know where I've been? Will people want to come to the new world with me, to the new place with me? And this album, every decision that we made for this album, every every sound we chose, every word we chose, it was so deliberated and so for every word we chose. I thought of three other options and why it shouldn't be those words. It, and, and whereas with the last record, it was like, you know, I made it in like, th- we made it in three months and it was just like, and I remember thinking it was all awesome at the time. And I, you know, I think it's cool, but I was like, God, how, do, how was I not tearing my hair out about <laughs> that snare fill going into that chorus? How did that not like buzz me out in the same way that it does now? And I think it's kind of, I, I I thought about this. I remember when I was like deep in the record and I there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And I was just like, I could not imagine being at the top of the mountain. I just, it was, it was unfathomable to me. And I remember thinking, if and when this thing is done, I will be able to look at it as something that I worked so hard for like I think it's a character building as like a young gifted person Mm -hmm. when a lot has come quite naturally and quite quickly to you in your life to have to just be met with this um I always think about those waves in interstellar it's just these like giant kind of like skyscraper sized waves they get to this planet there's these mountainous waves and to just be met with this giant wave in the form of like you can't you can't there's no shortcut to this record there's no you are gonna have to just dig and dig and dig with your hands until you've carved it out like there's just nothing yeah there was no like smart kid hack to it it was just like I just have to get in there and tough it out and it was very very long and it was it was difficult and hellish at times and yeah I think it's um I think it's I'm 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 thankful for that because I think that it has taught me a lot about myself and about who I am as a as a maker of stuff and yeah I remember thinking this is never gonna sound like it like it does in my head mm. kind of in fledgling form it's never gonna get out into the world and be more than just a skeleton. I'm never going to be able to flesh it out and have it look the way it looks inside my head. And and just the total fear of, of that. It's, it's horrific. Can you imagine building something and it coming out and not looking right? And in fact, it looking all wrong and, and just having to live with this thing that you've built and maybe not even being able to salvage it. Like it was definitely, it was a very long 
dark journey. I say dark, I mean like literal, like the darkness. I felt like I was like in the darkness. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you get there. You just you right. just dig out, and 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 piece by piece, you do one weird. You'll spend two weeks on one bizarre. I don't know one one synth part, or you, you finally clock one drum break and you're one step closer to it being tangible and real and ready to live out in the world and for you to cut the umbilical cord. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yes, yeah, but no, maybe that's why I'm like such a, uh, such an intense person right now. Cause it's yeah, been, like, no wonder you're so happy. Jeez. Some, like, light, fun questions. Darling. Oh my God. No, I just, <laughs> what's been going on with you? Do we, do we, I feel like I have to ask about you right now. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just like, woo, just taking it in. I, I feel like it, it's not good for anyone if it just looks easy, you know? Yeah. I think if I had known that, I mean, now looking back on it, I can, it, it's, childbirth right you forget how right. <laughs> going back to that you yeah forget how <laughs> how painful how painful it so you was. can do it again so you can do it again i think i've already kind of forgotten how painful it was i'm right like, i'm like ah oh, it was beautiful because well, we there's a beautiful like, thing it was effortless fancy free yeah it was, uh, it was very difficult <laughs> i hope people like it oh my <laughs> I think like you just don't know. We're in that in between time. But you just I, don't know, you know. Yeah, I think you've gained people's trust though. It's like people yeah, at this point people aren't like um how is this going to fit into what I want in my life at this time? They're like, "No, no, no, I want the inside of Ella's brain." I remember like a couple years ago when you were like meeting with different songwriters to figure out who mm. you wanted to work with. Did you find that even in that and you might just be like, no, I'm not trying to bait you. But like in that process, like were you still in any way fighting for someone to believe like you did actually write your own stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I still feel like that to this day. I feel like like being a very young woman in these spaces and I have a lot of female friends who can attest to this. You can be really established and still made to feel like you aren't good enough to be there or you t- might not know what you're talking about. or And you'd be amazed the kinds of – because I'm a producer. One of my like things the second I kind of finish the record and get on the road is I'm going to start getting to know my way around Pro Tools because I'm a producer but I don't touch the computer. And I just had this moment of being like, why the fuck not like life is too short to mm-hmm. to be you know when you're like me and 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 you are a producer and you do have such a specific sonic world for your stuff like life is too short to just be telling someone else what you want and i definitely yeah i mean i th- i i i have such a complex about people thinking that i am actually good at what I do that I'm actually skilled and whether it is as a writer or as a producer and I definitely find myself in rooms where I will feel someone testing me because they want to try and trap me in not knowing how to do something or like I mean it's it's mind-blowing it's like it, it, it truly blows my mind every day that this is like still something that goes on but I, I it's so yeah I mean to sorry that was like a long way around to that question mm. I definitely um I still feel like I and I'm fortunate to have worked with 
a lot of people who you know make me feel very heard and who mm. see me as as an artist in every sense of the word and see me as someone who has like a an overarching vision for what I'm doing and um and I'm grateful for that but um yeah there's definitely an element of the, the early period of writing a record where you don't know what it is yet because no one knows what a record is at the beginning you know even if you think even if they think they do there's an element of you know when you're writing these songs and they're not working and they don't feel very cool hmm. maybe I am a fraud maybe I don't know how to do it maybe I am actually just not very skilled and it just I, for me I just revert back to that place whenever something isn't working mm-hmm. I constantly find myself trying to take my own achievements off myself I'm like you didn't do that or you can't do that but nothing is testament to you can do that than looking at being able to I mean when I can hold my record in my hands and and be able to look at it and be like here's a handful of names who made this thing with me and a handful of people in a room and a handful of like you know none of us are by any means the biggest people in the business you know but we and we just got together in these small spaces and made this thing and it's like it's it's a nice kind of tangible middle in a way of 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 what it is that you can do um and and feeling like you know what you're doing and feeling like people can see you and people can hear you when you when you make something like this (laughs) but yes it's uh i'm like bad at confrontation and i'm like i feel like i should be better at being like yes i am really good and you can't let me feel otherwise but right i feel like i'm still that's one that i'm still working out (laughs) yeah that's also the kind of thing where it's like you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't and like if someone's like that there's it's on them I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> totally switching gears. Yes. I re-listened to Pure Heroin the other night because it mm. has a lot of memories for me. Wow. And I was like, oh. Wow. Whether it's on that album or even on a song like Liability, it's weird to say this because it's like a gap. Like it's like negative space. But I feel like your music is really great at capturing the space between you Ella or you listener and other people I guess for lack of a better word loneliness huh do you feel like that makes you might not feel that way but do you feel like making art about feeling alone does it make you feel less alone it's interesting a lot of what this record is about. So the record is sort of like loosely set at a house party at my house. It's sort of like the, in some ways it's like the opera of an evening of mine. Any any evening could be any, so many evenings. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the songs live inside that world. And it's interesting because first record was very much like these very, solo spaces you know it was like I lived in my suburb and I it was a lot of like walks and a lot of like being outside and like um you know waiting at bus stops and and feeling very solitary and this record was very much felt like bodies crushed together and kind of heat from skin and this kind of it had such a kinetic energy to it you know 
I was listening to all this music that I would dance to at night in my house with all my friends and that sort of, you know, leaked out into the record. And I had this moment of, and so it's interesting, the music is, there's definitely, it's not, a lot of it isn't as lonely, but I realized a big part of that experience is also me stepping outside onto my porch or into a bedroom down the hall it's those moments it's 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 being crushed up against all these people that I love and it's also letting them dance in another room while I step outside and ask myself the question that I didn't realize I needed to ask myself until that moment which I guess is a different type of loneliness, really, or a different type of uh, solitude. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really good for me to have a year of just being crushed up against people, I think, for a true introvert. It's like <laughs> a very, uh, it's a good thing to, 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 to feel the closeness of other people in such an intense way. And yeah, I mean, I think that I will always feel shades of of loneliness wherever I go in life and whoever I'm with because of you know I'm such a <laughs> I'm, I'm I think you said this but you call me a mystic <laughs> and I think that, like there's an element of that journey which is quite solitary so I guess in a lot of ways that will always be kind of a cornerstone of whatever it is I make it's about unpacking feelings whether they be you know, me alone in the middle of the ocean or me on the porch looking at my friends through the sliding door and this thought hitting me like just like a bolt of lightning, you know, coming down on my <laughs> forehead. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think that will definitely always be something that's around in my work. <laughs> I also think like that's a feeling that a lot of art ventures to capture <clears throat> and you can either do it with like quotes around it and the sort of nihilistic like I'm alone, we're all alone, right. like just kind of like showing off the emptiness of a situation or instead of putting quotes around it, you're like you or like David Bowie and you're like how do I f- fill this distance with something so it's like not just emptiness or the emptiness is somehow like interesting or just like not terrible see I very infrequently feel emptiness in terms of I very rarely feel emptiness in in my life and Mm -hmm. like in a situation like that I definitely would not feel like it was empty for me I think that there's always the very opposite of the emptiness the the fullness floating around (laughs) above our heads and I just want to try and get one strand of it and bring it down you know (laughs) and wrap it around my wrist and and hope that it stays there until the morning and I think you know it's the same thing of just like being able to look out the window and see like a certain gradient of sky and just have it like just like blow my mind in such a wonderful way like the same person who feels that you know very infrequently feels like feels an emptiness but sometimes you know sometimes it's 
that that fullness is floating higher above you than seems possible to mm-hmm. bring down and and I think that can can maybe feel like emptiness or can feel like distance yeah I guess with a situation like that I'm just it's nice to uh be like oh look at it all up there I can uh, <laughs> I just gotta go get some of that <laughs> okay. having a moment having because a moment. <laughs> you see I was always like oh writers are like lonely and far away and you're like no but in the far away there's like life happening around you totally I'm realizing that my background in terms of just even like the art I've loved most of my life mm. is so just like everyone's actually really far away from each other and like <laughs> the best parts of love are like before and after and not during yeah. and like <laughs> interesting and it's just like not true i mean maybe it is for some people I, I, somebody asked <laughs> not us me, cheers. So, not cheers so we've talked about this um well we've talked about how we both love george saunders mm-hmm. and i think was it you who told me the george saunders thing about um tell as much truth as you can without losing any money yes from that's, um that's his from, essay the brain dead megaphone i'm paraphrasing that yeah but, um but somebody well he's saying <laughs> publications uh and he wrote this like 10 years ago but he's like we've stopped asking them tell us the truth and we've started asking tell us the truth while still making as much money as possible while still making as much money as possible <clears throat> so somebody asked me they said it's not make as much money as possible for you for me personally because and not that wanting to make money is a bad thing i just mm-hmm. um it's not really something that i'm very good at um thinking super hard about because i'm very you know i'm privileged and i've been privileged all my life and i'm sure if my experience was different i would have a different relationship with money anyway so this person asked me what would that be for you tell as much truth as you can without losing what and i thought about it for a really long time and my answer was tell as much truth as i can without getting any further away because I am so, you know, the kind of person that I am, I'm such an introvert and I often feel like I am floating very far away from people. You know, I have this inner world surrounding me all the time that can often feel like a bubble that separates me from people. And I, I in a lot of ways, I don't want to get any further away, further away whether that be... Um, alienating people around me mm-hmm. by <laughs> turning their lives into my work or... <laughs> um, I don't know, going out too far. So it it uh, it was. It, that's why I think it's interesting. You know, I, you you just talked about um, you thinking the artists were you know had this kind of great distance and mm-hmm. and, and and I was sort of talking about how you know I was sort of disproving that, but mm-hmm. but it was I wanted to bring up this um, thing because I am someone who exists very far away from things often, and it was kind of amazing to have this period of time and to write this record that really celebrates a closeness, you know, it, it physically, emotionally, um, you know, mentally, all mm-hmm. these different things. For somebody who's answered that question is tell as much truth as you can without getting any further away. Right. It, it's it's really nice to uh yeah, to have to have felt that. They probably got too deep in that moment, but I wanted to tell you that because I knew that you would find it interesting because we talked about this George yes. Saunders thing. Well, um, but 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 I think as a creative, you can be, you can feel that distance and also feel very connected, right, with things around you and have have the world. You, you can feel very anchored to the world and very adrift at the same time, and I don't think that that makes you 
a worse creative or, you know. Right. I think both states are okay. <laughs> when you turned 20, mm-hmm. you wrote this note on Facebook. Yes. That was like, so wonderful <laughs> and like very centering oh thanks Tommy. <laughs> and there's a part where you say you're talking about how like you know being very inspired by youth and then kind of entering a new phase and you say i know i know there's different stuff stuff that's just as good maybe better just in a different way if i'm being real with myself in some ways i stopped feeling like a teenager a while ago What's the different stuff that you like about being more grown up? Ooh, that's a really good question. Tavi's out here with the good questions. Look, as someone who also (laughs) spent a lot of time thinking about like high school and youth uh and then had to be like, huh, what else is going to inspire me? Yes. I'm curious. I think that so much about being a teenager is you're so jumbled for so many reasons you have one foot in one world and one foot kind of creeping towards another and you feel like your emotions are totally singular yet everyone around you is feeling them also and everyone who is your age across the world is feeling them also and you both you know delight in knowing that everyone's feeling them and you hate it you know (laughs) you're like these are mine this is only mine Mm -hmm. But also I think, I don't know, I mean, I think there's so much about being a teenager um, that is searching for something that will define you, that will come to define you, whether it be the place you want to live or the thing that you want to do for work or the thing you want to do outside of work, you know. So, I mean, that is like such a crazy kind of bag of things to be dealing with, but For me, obviously, I, you know, I had found my thing that I wanted to do that kind of, you know, set my head on fire in the best possible way. And I had kind of, you know, I had a foot less in one world and more in another. By the time I was, you know, nearing 20, I'd been a professional adult. I'd been in an adult business for, you know, close to five years. And I think for me, the main thing that changed was... When I was a teenager, I had such specific ideas about who people were. They just were something. They, <laughs> they, they were this. Like, that was the thing that they were, and they would always be that thing, you know. Or about, you know, I don't know, anything from, I don't know, a film to a piece of music to a piece of art to a place to... Um, a way of, I don't know, a way of living, a a lifestyle, whatever. Um, And I think as you get older, you (laughs) realise that, this sounds so obvious, but that um, nothing is, (laughs) nothing is that simple. And for me, like a big thing that kind of opened up in that, I, I, I actually just got reminded of this the other day by a, by an Instagram fan account of mine. Shout out to all the young people currently running Instagram fan accounts of mine because it, it does blow my mind that <laughs> you want to post pictures of me and my happenings and my doings and my notions. It's very nice of you. No, I saw something that someone said because they were obviously quite surprised that Greenlight was a, was a heartbreak song and mm-hmm. they posted something that I had said when I was like 16 and I said, it's not that I don't, that I think writing about love is stupid. It's that I haven't found a way to do it, which feels 
different and transcendent. And I was like, oh, right. There was a time not that long ago where I didn't, where that wasn't a well that I would draw from, where that wasn't, that didn't feel like the most enduring, complex puzzle in the world, you know. And and for me to be able to listen to, I don't know, The Heart of the Matter by Don Henley and know what Don Henley is talking about, that's a kind of a new thing for me. And, mm. you know, in the last like couple of years and it's, um, it's kind of wonderful, this sort of, and pa- that's part of the sort of the rain that's coming down around me all the time is you digest all of the stuff um, up to a certain age and then you flip over into this new place and you can go back and digest all of that stuff and some of it will have totally different meanings for you and will resonate in totally different ways mm-hmm. and and it doesn't have to be about love it can be about you know whatever but it's uh it's kind of wonderful I think that um that that sort of re re-understanding everything or everything kind of cracking open and uh and and getting to see a different part of it that I think you know when you're a teenager your head is too scramble to uh <laughs> to really be able to take hold of yeah <laughs> you know what I mean though do you remember that moment when you could listen to I mean let's use music because I'm a musician um mm-hmm. when you could uh listen to music and understand what it oh, was yeah. they were talking about when it came to something that you hadn't experienced when you were young yeah I mean it's like I remember when I was uh I don't know, in middle school or, I mean, I guess there, it, it like happens at different ages with different subjects, but maybe when I was like in middle school, I would listen to some love or heartbreak song and be like, it's so sad because it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then like mm-hmm. later I was like, this is really sad because it's true and mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to it because it yeah. hurts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden it's not secondhand Pains. Right, it's very localized. I think that's right. like kind of an amazing. I mean, I remember like I grew up listening to Rumors, uh huh, and since I was, you know, it's like my earliest music memory. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Rumors by yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Um, and it was kind of fascinating to listen to Rumors like post going through your first breakup. Uh, like yeah. I was like, oh wow, okay, right, you know. Well, if something is like well, if something's like good writing, you're like I know what they mean just because they've phrased something really well. It, 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 but and then later you experience that and you can like fill it in. Yeah, I, I felt like I'd um, like I'd passed through a secret door that all of a sudden I was, I joined the ranks of people who. Who who understood? Like it mm-hmm. was amazing to get to when you're a teenager. You especially when you're at the end of being a teenager, you think. I know everything there is to know. I've, mm. I know it all. It's it's all in front of me. What else could there possibly be? Mm. And just at the mo- moment when you your head is so big, <laughs> that's when the secret door is presented to you and you go through it and you don't know anything anymore. Right. <laughs> and it's this amazing moment of, wow, everything is not the way I thought. It, it, nothing right. is the way I had it pegged. And rumors is a beautiful lesson for me for that and especially like i mean i'm the biggest fan of silver springs which didn't make it to rumors but um 
Oh boy. Karaoke song. Oh boy. Oh, karaoke song. Mm. That's cool. Silver yeah. Springs gets me uh, oh. in a real place. And yeah. I feel like that's the kind of song that I, you know, I would be in um, fifth form, which is um, 10th grade for you guys, listening uh-huh. to that over and over, doing my art homework, pulling yeah. all nighter, and think it was a beautiful song. And I remember hearing Time Casters Fell on You, but you won't forget me. I'll follow you down to the sound and my voice will haunt you. You'll never get away from the sound of the woman that loves you. I remember hearing those and feeling the the weight of them. And I also remember hearing them, you know, six months ago and and feeling a totally different thing unlock. Like it's, it's very interesting to be like, I heard it when I was 15 and I mm-hmm. didn't have a complete picture of it. And then right. I got to listen to it when I was 20 and have my mind blown again. You know, it's an amazing thing. How do you feel when you hear your old songs now? That's a really interesting question because I was um, I was just at rehearsal today and I was singing a lot of the songs for the first time in years, Whoa. like since like 2014. And it was a really, really interesting experience. I mean, obviously, I think that I had this realization maybe like, six months ago and I think that it like kind of blew my mind in terms of like I was I remember I was like so worried about putting music out again and what people would think about it and if they would like the way I had grown up and if they you know it's it's when you put your first thing out when you were 16 and then you're gonna be 20 when you put your next thing Mm -hmm. out there's an element of well people can't now you know because that's a that's so many revolutions since, you know, in between the two things. Right. And then I realized, oh, I'm just, I make music that sounds like the inside of my brain. Everyone I know makes music that sounds like the inside of their brain. And when I think about someone like Jack, Jack's music sounds like the, Jack Antonoff, sorry, from Bleachers, um, who I've written a lot of the record with. Jack's music sounds like the inside of his brain. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to it, I'm like, I listen to it and I I love you. I love this person who makes this music and I love the songs because, you know, because they're great and because they're that person's head. Mm-hmm. But they're not my brain. They couldn't sound further away from my brain. And it sort of renders all criticism, I don't know, it renders it obsolete in a way. How could anyone, how could you get bummed out on someone saying your music wasn't very good it just, it's its the inside of your brain. Like, you know, like someone can't take that away from you. Like it, right. they can't say it doesn't sound like the inside of your brain because, I mean, if you work and work and work and make it so that it does, which I've done, it's like, it's its this very freeing thing because you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's, I'm just trying to make something that sounds like the inside of my brain. And I think you can, and it's like, I, I wish I'd known this when I was younger, like, mm. And I think for anyone who makes anything, like, just make it look or sound or feel like the inside of your brain, and then no one, nothing anyone says can, can, can hurt you or can, can, can discredit what it is that you've done. Because it's like, how could they? All bullets slide off that. It's, it's like, you just, it's, that's, that's the inside of your brain. And the thing mm-hmm. with this record is it's like... That's what it is. It you know, it's it's not perfect. It's not it's it's not I it's not the best record anyone's ever made, you know. There's 
even listening to it now, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love you, but I could throttle you. <laughs> but 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 that's that's what my brain sounds like right now. So in a in a in a long veering tangent, yeah. um, I think the music that you were making in a moment sounds like the inside of your brain, and the music that you made four years ago, it's weird because you remember it once being the perfect shape and size to fill exactly your brain and no more space and no less. It fit perfectly and all of a sudden it doesn't fit the same. It's happy and sad, I think. I, I mean, I, I, I love the songs and I, I'm proud of, you know, they're, I'm, they're very sweet and I'm, I'm proud of them and I, I, it's, it's interesting thinking about the, the emotions that they are talking about and the situations that they're talking about and I find myself right back there um, mm. when I am singing them, you know, in that place and visually as well because I, you know, I have seizure and it's like, you know, it really comes down over my sort of face and head, like the <laughs> sort of the colour of it all. And I guess it's sort of like, I'm like, huh, interesting. That's yeah. what it used to be like in there, in the dome. <laughs> that was my conversation with Ella Yellish O'Connor, also known as Lord. Her album comes out this Friday, June 16th. And if you haven't listened to the very first episode of this podcast yet, I highly recommend it. Ella even shared a demo for Greenlight in it, and it's amazing. But honey, be seeing you every show. Wow. We'll be back with Ask a Grown after this break. We're back with another installment of our ongoing series, Ask a Grown, where we ask real-life grown-ups for advice. Today, we have grown man Ziaudin Yusufzai answering a question from a listener about finding meaning in life. He's currently the United Nations Special Advisor on Global Education. He's the co-founder of Malala Fund, and for many years, he served as a teacher and school administrator in his home country of Pakistan. He's also Malala Yousafzai's dad, so I think he knows a thing or two about how to have a meaningful life. For those who don't know, Malala is an education rights activist. She was just 11 years old in 2009 when the Taliban occupied her hometown in Pakistan, and girls like her weren't allowed to go to school. She started writing an anonymous blog for BBC Urdu, and later the New York Times made a documentary about her journey. After her identity was revealed, Malala was attacked by the Taliban, who wanted to kill her because of her fight for education. She was only 15 at the time. Her efforts to protect education rights for girls in Pakistan have led to the country's first right to free and compulsory education bill, and she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2014. She's written a book, I Am Malala, and there's also a feature-length documentary about her life, He Named Me Malala, where you get to know her on camera and see more of her life. The he in that title is her father, Ziaudin Yusufzai, who generously offered to do an Ask a Grown for Rookie. We couldn't believe it. If there's one dad I want to get life advice from, it's him. Sorry to my dad. Here's Mr. Yusufzai on finding meaning in your life. Hi, assalamu alaikum. I'm Ziauddin Yusufzai. I'm a teacher and an activist for girls' education. I'm also known as Malala Yusufzai's father, uh, who is right now in the adjacent room, is studying and working hard for her A-level examinations. 
So now I will be answering your questions uh, for Ask a Grown Man for Rocky. The question is from um, an anonymous person, unknown person. Hi, so here's my dilemma. Uh, I don't know if it's because I am in school or that I live in the suburbs, but I am so insanely bored with life that creativity, that creatively, sorry, that creatively and personally I feel stuck. Any advice on how to not feel like you are trapped in an insanely brand life? Please answer. I feel like this is my entire sophomore year and I'm going to start spiraling to an extremely unfulfilling life if I don't figure out what to do. Thank you so much. So uh, I must tell you that, um, I mean, like you, uh, most of the people sometimes they feel this meaninglessness in life. Uh, they don't know what to do. Why do we live? Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we go to bed late in the evening and what life is all? I think um, life is, uh, for many people, life is like a blank slate and you have to write something on it. You have to put some meaning in it. And I think if you have everything, uh, you should give a meaning to your life for others and uh, you should live for a cause that is greater than, you, than yourself. And just think of the millions of children around the world who are not in school. Just think of the millions of people who are starving of the, because of the scarcity of water or who don't have clean water to drink. And I think if one gives one's uh, time and life, I think you will find a big meaning in life just living for those people who are less privileged, who are the have-nots. And I think you will find a very beautiful meaning in your life. Thank you so much. That was real-life grown man and Malala's dad, Ziauddin Yusufzai. He answered even more questions for us in a video on our site, and they're really good answers too, so you should go check that out on RookieMag.com. Thanks, Mr. Yusufzai. We want to hear from you too. June is Pride Month, where we celebrate all things LGBTQ. So we'd like to ask you, what are you doing to celebrate? Or we'd like to know, how did you come out to your loved ones and how did they react? Send us your submissions either as text or a short voice memo, along with your first name or nickname, age and location, to podcast at rookiemag.com. That's the show this week. I'm Tavi Gevinson, and thank you so much for listening. Visit us at rookiemag.com, rookiepodcast.mtv.com, and at rookiemag on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Tavi Tool, T-A-V-I-T-U-L-L-E. Plus, check out podcasts.mtv.com and at MTV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram for more shows from the MTV Podcast Network. This episode of Rookie was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Gatano, and Kesha Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Thanks to Lauren Redding for making the Rookie Podcast happen. And thanks to Lena Singer for picking advice question and to Shamir for the Rookie theme song. 
thanks to Maria Eneskull for the portraits and doodles, to Cynthia Merhej for Rookie's logo, to Hattie Stewart for the logo doodles, and to Beth Heckel for the jewels.